it's now recording. Let me start on. We can even shit talk Craig. You know, Craig is yeah. technically not a intelligent being, even in artificial I mean, forms. But what look we, at that face! How can you call him dumb? <laughs> <laughs> but we anthropomorphize him, anyways. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So, should we start? You start this time. Really I started the last time. Fuck. Yes, it's another shitty podcast. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the second season of Yasp Short for another shitty podcast. Uh, I'm Ami Reza, joined with my co-host Ali. Hey Ali. Hello everyone, my name is Ali and today we are going to talk with a new guest. Yeah, and our new guest is a kind of an old friend of mine, a good friend of mine, sadly not a great friend of mine. Not that he's not a great person, that I haven't had the chance to get closer to him. Maybe this uh, will get us closer together after the episode. So, uh, so he is basically, Moe. So we're basically watching Ami Reza trying to pick someone up. No, we are not, but yes, we are. Uh, suit yourself. Anyhow, uh, Moin, would you do the honors and tell us a little about yourself and all that? Hello, and uh, thank you for, for inviting me here and for having me here. Um, my name is Moin, as you said, and uh, we are friends, but unfortunately, because of the immigration, we didn't have uh, the chance you know, to be more in touch with one another. But anyway, uh, I'm currently studying computer science, and I'm, I'm doing my PhD at Technical University of Madrid. Nice. I am focused uh, on deep learning and making assistive solutions for, for blind people. I'm more focused on, on computer vision these days, but I'm generally mm -hmm. interested in, in AI in general in different fields and different use cases. Okay, that's great. And could you tell yes. us a little about your current project regarding the blind people? Well, yeah. Yeah, currently I'm working on... Uh, as I said, an assistive solution that can help blind people to locate objects around them to understand their surroundings and so on. And like an alternative for the current things that they're having, like guide dogs or white canes, there are limitations to them, like, uh, you know, detecting obstacles that are so far from the blind person, or for example, the guide dogs, they, they cannot speak. So there are limitations to them. So I'm trying to make like an uh, AI-driven solution that can interact with the user, that can give information to the user, it can help it, help the user to be able to navigate himself or himself uh, herself. Wow, that is really fantastic. I'm not yes. a person that uses this word lightly. You know, there's a certain 
depth to this word, but this is truly fantastic and you know, well, uh, I altruistic, mean, you know. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, I think we are going in the wrong direction. We should first make the dogs talk, but you know, it's just me. <laughs> okay, I don't think that has anything to do with artificial intelligence. That has to do with biology and evolutionary. Um. I think that uh, dogs can talk. It's just a problem of us that cannot communicate with them and, and understand them, you know. If you find a way to understand their language, then why not? Yes, it, precisely. Precisely my point. They do talk. I all think animals they should talk. all sound like Louis, Louis C.K. Okay, please stop <laughs> burning my neurons. Jesus. But that's a sin to say the Lord's to him in vain. But you don't even have to say something that terrible. You can go to hell just for saying Jesus Christ with a tone in your voice. It's all the tone in your voice. That's the weird part. It's a very subtle sin because you can say Jesus Christ. You're fine. But if you say Jesus Christ, you go to hell forever <laughs> just for saying it like that. There must be at least one dude who was right on the line who was like, Jesus Christ. And then he was in hell. He's like, seriously? For that? That's it? Seriously? But seriously, I think dogs and any other animal, for that matter, can talk. The problem is that their language isn't sophisticated. Like, there's maybe at most a hundred words that they're capable of producing or using for their conversations. I mean, but yeah, technically, how, how do you know? It's just the way that we look at language. Maybe they they're, uh, they're using uh, telepathy they're... or some other kind of uh, <laughs> ways of maybe communicating. You know, it reminds me of the. Uh, ESP talk Stanley Kubrick had uh, when making The Shining, and ESP is short for extra sensory perception, something like that. You know, the Shining, the whole Shining thing is supposed to be about ESP. And he was like, whenever I, uh, he had cats, and uh, one of his cats had kittens. And he was like, whenever I looked at her kittens, the mother would just rush into the room, and he was he was raising the question that maybe they do have a telepathic, you know, extrasensory perception about their surroundings. And there was this, um, you know, there was this documentary about dogs that I distinctly remember. And the guy talking, I don't know the science behind it, but he was like, dogs can uh, use language only so much. Like the dog can know that you can tell the dog that uh, you should get the bone from like, your left or your front or in that place. But if you tell the dog that you should go to this room and then the right side of the room, uh, the dog is probably not cognitively uh, able to do that or linguistically. I don't know, but he was like, he was just saying that dogs well, are limited in their understanding of depths or layers of language. Or, well, dogs, no, not just dogs language. are idiots. Well, dogs are idiots. We should start with like more intelligent species, like dolphins. Yeah, or squirrels. Imagine a dolphin helping a visually impaired person. I mean, yes, <laughs> maybe in the water, maybe in the water. Or uh, this is starting to sound those... like a South Park episode. <laughs> you know? or, or we can get one of those fish bowls and have like an astronaut suit for the dolphin to walk on land. I am a dolphin. What do I say? Click, click. I say it all day.
Okay, maybe Ali, we should you know keep yeah, these yeah. Uh, for well, our upcoming animated series episodes. But uh, yes. right now, uh, I think it's time to transit or have a transition to uh, maybe the nerdiest application of AI. Oh, yes, and yes. as you know, the majority of our listeners are probably gamers. I hope they are gamers, as we have talked about many video games, and I think one of the first. Uh, palpable applications of AI were in video games like starting back in the 80s like 1984 the first Mario game you have enemies well technically they are not artificially intelligent they follow a path but they are the beginning of trying to make your enemies uh, smart Move. and reactive to the environment yeah so Let's start talking about AI in video games. And I think at this point, I'm going to have to hand the microphone figuratively to Moin. Yeah, personally, I myself, I'm like a retired gamer, you know, these days I don't, <laughs> I don't play games. And I remember like the, the last game that I was fascinated by its AI was Bioshock Infinite. I mean, how many years ago? I think it was uh 2015 or something like that or maybe even older than mm -hmm. that. let let me look it up yeah uh, but you know uh, ai is one of those things in video games yeah, like graphics uh, in video games it they have incrementally gotten better like if you look at a game from 10 years ago you can rest assured that it's going to it's going to look shit compared to games that are released these days but one I thing mean, that hasn't been focused on by video gaming companies, video game producing companies, is AI. Like recently, I picked up the Halo series, and the very first Halo game, Halo One, that was released in two thousand one, if I'm not mistaken, has still one of the best AIs I have ever seen in my life. And that game is technically twenty years old now. Or uh, the first Fear game. Uh, well, so AI is a hit and miss. With video games, some of them are really good, some of them are really bad. Like Cyberpunk has a very messed up AI. Uh, and ah, uh, yeah, Cyberpunk, that 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 whole ordeal. Yeah. By the so, way, I uh, mm -hmm. I looked it up. Bioshock Infinite was in 2013. Okay. Oh, so eight years of retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Go on more. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I was saying that I, I even remember those times when I was playing Fable, like there was this dog and it was intelligent and everyone were supposed to, were talking about this intelligent dog that was supposed to act very smart and intelligent, but I, I really personally didn't find it intelligent. It was just oh, that, that's, that's Peter Molyneux. That's basically Peter yeah, exactly. Molyneux saying The onus falls on Peter Molyneux. Just making, you, you know, yeah, yeah. Over-promising and under-delivering. <laughs> <laughs> this is sort of relevant, and because Peter Molyneux promised this too for one of his games called The Movies, which you run a movie-making company. And one of the things Peter Molyneux promised for that was intelligent critics using AI. Now, I want to know if it's that even possible. Uh, I think it will be possible eventually, but Peter Molyneux is more infamous because of the game project milo when oh yeah uh, connect yeah milo. Uh, xbox connect was being released he made a teaser about a very responsive smart intelligent kid 
that was yeah. supposed to be a video game. You would talk to Milo and he would like be a total it's, human it's being. Milo. Oh, Milo? Oh, yeah, Milo. So, yeah, Milo was supposed to be like really smart and responsive. And that game never even saw the light of. It was fake. Uh, it was the alpha light. Yeah, it was a fake video. So. Uh, yeah, and just before this, you know, recording session, I was just searching on the internet to see if they're currently using like deep learning or machine learning techniques to train NPCs and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got really disappointed because apparently it's not uh, something very popular among game developers and uh, you know game developing companies, and they they mostly use pre-scripted NPCs. Like yeah. they have a ready code for it, and and that's it. I mean, I I think it because it's easier. At the end of the day, it's easier to tell one. I don't think it's easier. Story. I think it's more predictable because yeah, when you're developing well, a video game, you have the problem of not knowing what uh, your NPCs are gonna do, and that would uh, you know make serious problems. One application I do remember about the usage of deep learning or artificial intelligence. I don't know. I'm not sure what the method was, but it was a racing game, probably Forza Motorsport or something like that. And the uh, you know your rivals would learn from your way of driving, and after some point, they would just you know challenge you using your own methods in driving. Like if you were a aggressive driver, they would also become aggressive, or if you were a passive, you know. It would just isn't that what they used for the uh, Lord of the Rings games? The the you I'm know, you know which was sure. Shadow of Mordor. Oh, a Shadow of Mordor, the Nemesis system. You're talking about the yeah, Nemesis, yeah. System. Nemesis system. I haven't looked deep into the ne- Nemesis system, but they were mostly like if you had been killed by an by a by an enemy leader twice, he would shit talk you, oh, and is, maybe is adapt all? their fighting strategy. No, I think they would adapt their fighting strategy too. Yeah, right. You're right. I had totally forgotten about that. You're a brave one if you think you can take me on. I I haven't even played that game. I just know it from the clips I on Conan the O'Brien. First one. Mm, I haven't played yeah. the second one. I promise to play it for the third season, and we'll talk about it on the next season. Yeah, and um, as I said, like the, the artificial intelligence in the games haven't improved as much as you know the graphics and so on, as as you mentioned, and maybe that's one of the reasons I gave up playing games. You know. Because at some the point, were too stupid for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not only the enemies. You know, it's like you know that there is a story, and you're gonna play it, and there are gonna be some cinematic scenes, and you know, uh, there wasn't something new to it. And at some point, I started to play multiplayer games to, you know, somehow find a compensation for for the AI. And I used to play a lot of Left 4 Dead and Counter Strike. Uh, but after a while, I I just got busy with with other stuff, and I stopped, uh, you know, playing multiplayer games as well. Um, but yeah, that that's I think it's it's a problem in the current video games, and it's not really efficient way of of doing things. But I think it's a creative way. Maybe the the gaming companies they they, they don't find it actually efficient to to use um, AI. 
instead of you know normally pre-scripted uh, coding because you know to train a model it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of uh, you know effort to to make it and they need powerful computers you know the whole idea of of creating um, AI driven NPCs is not cost efficient for those companies so it has been years that the users are satisfied with the current you know dumb uh, existing uh, NPCs, so they say, why should we bother ourselves? They just want better graphics, and we give them what they want. But I just recently read a the, about a patent filed by Rockstar about something that would hugely improve the intelligence of NPCs in their games. And uh, GTA, I think it was about GTA. GTA is one of those games that really puts... NPC intelligence to the test like we now know how important and how good of a job Rockstar has done in well, GTA games that now that we can compare it to Cyberpunk yeah exactly yeah well I mean I'm just trying to come at it from a creative standpoint if I was if I were to make a video game I wouldn't mm -hmm. want an AI making creative decisions for me, if you know what I mean. I don't think it's the, you know, that's the issue. I think the issue is that, in my own opinion, first of all, is you know, it's not cost effective for those companies, as Moin mentioned, and second of all, they're on, they can be unpredictable. Like, do you use an AI, you do you train an AI and then, uh, you know, stop it from growing in the final product do you let it grow over time and patch it what's your strategy here i think these are some questions that they have to answer well yeah but one of the things is that that i'm i'm, I'm thinking like if i'm todd howard and mm -hmm. i'm making the next elder scrolls game i have a certain story in mind certain themes certain moments mm. i want to hit how can i hit them if i have such a wide variable in the equation no i i think you don't have to give ai to every npc like you can have npcs that are scripted the major ones the story related ones and in your battles you know when you're fighting generic npcs that are just there to fight with you it would be a shooter game a hack and slash game any kind of game that oh, yeah. part can really benefit from artificial intelligence in the way they can challenge you i thought about our dilemma and i came up with a solution that i honestly think works out best for one of both of us yeah and you know it's not like it's not like this kind of you know uh, smart decisions from the game is going to um be limiting for you or you know kind of making decision for you Essentially, better intera interaction. Imagine in in sandbox games, you you need a more intelligent AI there because you cannot predict all the possibilities that are happening in the game. It's like an open world, and there are many things happening, like in in GTA. Well, and then you will have a better you know experience with a more intelligent system. Exactly. Well, yeah, but I'm I mean. Uh... As I said, part of the problem for me is that part. But in sandbox games, in management games, I agree with you. It, 
it's better to go with something that will look at what I'm doing and my play style and adapt itself to my play style. Uh, for example, one of the games I've been recently playing a lot, Civilization V, mm-hmm. which has, to be honest, kind of the good AI for a strategy game. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, I don't know if... I know AI for strategy games is much different than AI in action-adventure games, but I think it 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 can be better used there. I, I don't know. I'm just... I, I, I'm one of those people who don't like multiplayer games, so you know where I'm coming from. I'm a single-player yeah. man. <laughs> but why don't you like multiplayer games? Um, I, I value story more than I value interactions with people. <laughs> okay, so I think even for storytelling, you know, it's like one of the other PowerPoints of AI that why should we limit ourselves to one single storyline? I mean, I mean by, by single storyline, I mean a predicted thing, a thing that the writer knows what's going to happen in the end. And, you know, for example, I was uh, reading, I was actually reading this in a very interesting book, which is called The Future is Faster Than You Think by Peter Diamandis. And it has this chapter about the future of entertainment. And at some point, uh, so Peter Diamandis talks about, uh, you know, this uh, new system that they're designing at Georgia Tech University. It is called Shahzad, and it, it has an interesting name. It is Persian. And um, so it has like, a, it's an AI that is useful for like adventure style s- stories, you know, and uh, the the player doesn't have like a fixed number of storylines it enables like unlimited plot points and it's like an infinite adventure and users can um you know have different endings when they're playing the game and i i find it pretty interesting and creative i mean it uh, can be game, like one of the things mm-hmm. that i've i literally learned about like three days four days ago is this thing called AI Dungeon. It has an app. It's it's more of a game than it is an actual thing, but it's a choose-your-adventure style. If, the, uh, if your choices were then given to an AI who writes the rest of the story for you, for example, it says you're, you are Alex, you're a captain of a ship, you hear a beep, and then it says, what do you do? And you say, well, I look at the console. I get naked, I look at the sky, I look at the window, and based on what you say, it will write your story for you. Oh, interesting. interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I really uh, recommend checking it out, even for like 20 minutes, because it's fun. But one of the problems I noticed with that system, as a writer myself, is, how do I say it? It's misguided. Uh, it doesn't have anything uh, to go towards i don't know if i'm making any sense oh you mean there's no end there's no point you're just aimlessly yeah wondering yeah i'm endlessly stuff happening for example i say i die and then it says well you die and then you wake up as a zombie because it doesn't understand that okay this is where the story ends (laughs) okay in that sense yeah it just wants to keep it going and there is no theme there is no there is no emotional connection if 
it it feels a little bit mechanical. It might be because it's now and in like 20 years, people like me will be completely out of a job. But uh... <laughs> well, yeah, well, not at this point. At this point, they're not smart enough to, you know, put emotions and make it like a real story. But I think in the future, it will it will be like a new medium. Like I can play a game and have my own experience and then no one can spoil the story of the game for me because each person has his own experience. I think it's one of those things that works better in an MMO than it does in a single player campaign. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that um, I think uh, the problem, not the problem, the point about this kind of storytelling in any kind of medium like video games, movies, music, anything is that uh, who is the creator of that experience you just went through? Like, if the whole thing is generated by a by an artificial intelligence, is the creator still the creator of the algorithm, the artificial intelligence, or is the creator the artificial intelligence itself? Like, how do we credit them? What will happen to copyrights? And how can you you know, well, benefit from these things. And why won't they turn controversial? Like, what are the chances your artificial intelligence will make very racist or uh, homophobic, <laughs> for instance, remarks seriously? And who would be responsible well, for I that mean, outcome? Can we limit them in that sense is my question. Yeah, sadly, we know how that works because, and Moin, please correct me if I'm wrong, Currently, most of the deep learning, artificial intelligence, they use what the users give to them. Is that correct? Yeah. And so, so if enough people troll a troll an artificial intelligence game, for instance, into and make it racist, is there are there any you know kill switches or not even kill switch? Like, are there any uh, mechanic mechanisms? Basically, can you teach morals to an artificial intelligence that yeah, this or is stop wrong it from becoming racist? Yeah, don't you know? See Trump and choose Biden. Well, yeah. That's too much. Little puppet made of pine, wake! The gift of life is thine. I've given you life. Why? Because tonight, Geppetto wished for a real boy. Am I a real boy? No, Pinocchio. To make Geppetto's wish come true will be entirely up to you. Up to me? Prove yourself brave, truthful, and unselfish, and someday you will be a real boy. A real boy! Well, you know, um, that's actually current one of the biggest challenges that we're currently facing in the world of AI is the ethics, like how the AI makes the correct decision and what is the correct decision, what is good and what is bad. And uh, I think it's a kind of collective intelligence. I mean, when you give like a lot of tweets to a machine and it learns them, then of course it'll also learn the 
biases in the information. Like it, it, it can end up being a, being racist. But I mean, it, it also depends on the type of data that you're feeding to that, uh, you know, deep learning neural network. And mm-hmm. the output really depends on the input. So there's no way to make sure it's not it's never going to become racist, even though uh, it might be bombarded with racist behavior. Well, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind is like very intuitive. It's not like that someone has already done it, and it's it is something complicated. And I was thinking that maybe if we create uh, an AI that studies different school of thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. and studies all of these philosophic ideas and then comes up uh, as a you know wise owl that can that can decide for for himself whether something is racist or not so i think there should be like an ethic uh, you know ethical ai that can do these things interesting part of the problem is that many of those philosophical texts they rely heavily on your personal experiences for example the way i read nietzsche, uh, nietzsche i i'm i i don't know the proper pronunciation i'm sorry it's nietzsche it's think, not this i think it's nietzsche nietzsche, nietzsche? Uh, okay uh, the, oh, i don't the know way i'm not sure as well. i read <laughs> the way i read n-i-z-t-c-s-e is not the same way that hitler read it you know okay that's a weird the, comparison, but go on. No, no, it's because uh, Hitler's philosophy was partially influenced by Nietzsche. And we know how that turned out. So, I mean... Yeah, of course. How, how, you, how are you going to create an AI that can have an idea in its head that then this philosophical text will sort of expand on that? You know what I mean? Oh, you it, mean it, like it doesn't have the AI to, might create a Heidegger combined with Nietzsche and give rise to a Hitler? Okay, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, something that that could be done is that we give all of the understandings of Nietzsche in the world to a machine, like my understanding, your understanding, Hitler's understanding, and also give the original text of Nietzsche to the system or the original text of Schopenhauer to the system. And then the system compares uh, our opinions with the original text and then it can come up with a new conclusion interesting but the problem remains and i think that's unfixable the problem is that there's the possibility that the artificial intelligence will turn into a monster you know frankenstein and uh, i think there's no uh, fail saves for that well, one of the things, okay. a, another problem I have, it's not a problem, it's more a curiosity, is that how are we going to simplify languages? Like, you say my understanding of Nietzsche. My understanding of Nietzsche is very much influenced by how Nietzsche wrote a sentence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is much, I think that is much more complex than maybe what an AI can uh, get into. I might be wrong. I, again, as you can under, as you must know, neither me or Amirza, we are not very much professionals in this field. We are just having, I, I'm just having curiosities based on movies and TV shows and video games that yeah, I've seen yeah, about AI. 
you're actually right you know at this point it's it's very difficult to have like a philosopher that is an ai and going is going to make you know uh ethical decisions it's it's very complicated and currently ai sucks at it but i think in in a decade it will have a lot of improvements like for example currently twitter twitter's ai has some kind of biases in it you know uh, for example, if you upload a photo of a person, which uh, of two person, that one of them is black and one of them is white, and they're both located in in a single image, and then you mm-hmm. tweet that image, the thumbnail of the image in the tweet will be uh, will will focus on the face of the white person instead of the black person. Wow, wow. that that, that is... reminds me of the bias in uh, Google Photos, actually, where it would. You know, do some terrible thing. I'm not even okay with saying what it did, but it was really bad, and it was regarding well, uh, you know African Americans and black you people. You need to in say it. We need to. We need to know. No, people yeah, can look it up. Curious. No, yeah. it, no, people can look it up. I, I'm really not comfortable even talking about it. I'm serious. Well, we need to. T- we are talking about the biases, and this is one of the problems that. Well, uh, we it's in, really uh, controversial. I think people can search for it if they want to, but I don't want to discuss. Well, at it. least give them the hotkeys to search for. No, just the thing they have to search for is you know Google Photos bias towards black people, in you know categorizing them. Well, it's actually one of the problems that we were literally talking about. What if the AI and the algorithm? turns out racist because there are a lot of racist people out there and as for now we are giving it user info and we are asking it to based on opinion based on that and sadly or well it's sadly the loudest voice in the room is always going to be the uh, darkest one supremacist yeah the darkest (laughs) one the supremacist one the nazis the kkk for example and you know, Again. the problem is that, uh, you know about the Tourette syndrome where you uh, loudly say expletives or racist remarks or yeah. anything wrong. The problem with uh, the cyberspace, not AI exclusively, the internet, being behind a screen and behind a keyboard without a face, is that people actualize their fantasies or their darkest thoughts and maybe they are not racist people or anything but you know look at memes like yeah it's it's become an outlet for our darkest thoughts and it's a therapeutic effect in some way when we just channel all our racist or dark thoughts here and become better citizens in the real world but the problem when you're dealing with an AI is that if you do that to an AI, the AI doesn't know that you're just venting off some anger or whatever. It'll learn from your uh, dark side. Yeah, and exactly that. what I was actually asking, Moin, that how are we going to give this sort of subtlety and intricacies to a, to a machine, basically, and say, well, you know, when I'm doing it like this, I'm joking, so don't take me seriously. But when I say it like this, I'm not joking. I mean, we, we already have that problem talking to each other as human beings that we don't yeah. sometimes understand tone or sarcasm, especially in written form. And I don't think AI can 
differentiate tones and well uh that <laughs> you know we we never know what happens in a in a deep learning in neural network and that's one of the problems in in current approaches of of deep learning for example some doctors in in china if i'm not mistaken made a made a deep learning system for detecting cancer and it works oh. way better than than the doctors themselves you know and they don't know how does the system work and now the system is starting to detect parkinson disease in the in the patients as well like it was made for another purpose and then suddenly it it makes another use out of it so <laughs> the problem with it is that in a deep learning that's kind of that's, scary to be honest <laughs> yeah it is it is scary because there are like a lot of layers there are a lot of information and it's very complicated to track it you know to see what happens to the data so we don't know what how does the system learn or or what it is going to do with the information that we're giving to it i think at this point the best approach is that we should not give uh, a lot of authority to ai you know we should have it as an assistant as something that complements what we're currently doing basically keep it as siri not yeah, well, actually going to say, and that's our the state. Uh, <laughs> segue. That's our ticket to the next. Then yeah, segue to the next topic: uh, personal assistants. Uh, where are we now? Where did we start? And where are we going? The most important question is: Where are we going? You know, the movie Hair comes to mind, or uh, robot uh, having not that you know having a dead person's. Uh, psyche and uh, oh, that Johnny Depp movie Transcendence, yeah, Transcendence, yeah, things like that, but not just in a movie. Like, you know, this topic has been explored by even Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke. You know, it digs way back. So, yeah, are yeah. there is there any possibility to these scenarios? Can we not die, basically? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, this this reminded me of a documentary I'm watching these days. It's called The Story of, of God uh, with Morgan Freeman. And, uh, you oh, know, yeah. I, I really... Yeah, I've, I've seen that. Yeah, I, I'm not, like, really a fan of the documentary because I think it, it biases you. Uh, but anyway, yeah. uh, in the first episode, they show a, a woman that uh with his with her husband they're trying to make um a, you know a, a robot that is actually like her it looks like her and they're they're introducing all of the memories of, of the women 
to this system and they want it to be very you know intelligent but actually when you when you see that robot in the documentary you get disappointed um <laughs> but i think we're, we're working towards that and um there are some people that are working on it like ray cruzwell and uh, i think he's doing a doing a good job but you know we need to um reach some points like the moment of singularity is needed for doing such a such ambitious things you know yeah singularity yeah, is the keyword that it's one of you those know, things you know the problem with singularity is that it's the point of no return like you don't know what will happen but you know a lot will happen and that's you know <laughs> both vague and scary at the same time yeah, but I think um, I'm pretty optimistic, you know. I, I don't see AI as something dangerous as long as, you know, we, as I said, we don't give a lot of authority to it. And it's not like you just sleep and then you wake up and then suddenly you you face a Frankenstein that can control <laughs> everything, you know. It's not Terminator that one night they just yeah. become Terminator. But Elon Musk is pretty convinced that it might turn into the Terminator. Well, Elon Musk is pretty concerned about a lot of things, and most of the things he's pretty <laughs> concerned about, I don't give a shit, so I don't know yeah. what you should <laughs> He's just too busy tooting all the time, you know. I don't give he's that a, much yeah. credit <laughs> to him. He's a memester, professional memester on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> and to be honest, I am afraid of AI to be kind of honest uh, to some extent again as you said i'm afraid that even if we don't take give it control it will take control i don't know i don't know maybe with in, with the introduction of internet of things like everything is connected and technically your ai can bleed into every part of your life like it can control the room temperature the toaster, the fridge, the doors to your house. You know, a, a very 2001. To bring it back mm. to the AI assistant, how much how much are we going to be dependent on them? I'm, I mean, as of now, 
a lot of people are for a lot of things. I'm not. I'm. I don't use uh, what is the Android version of Siri. Google. It's, is it now? No, no, Bixby. Bixby is for Samsung. Well, I I have a Samsung. Well, okay, but Google has okay Google like something like. Oh that. yeah, yeah. Uh, for for my Bixby, Microsoft I haven't has used Cortana. it mm-hmm. uh, because first of all. With my accent and how I talk, I'm even surprised you people can understand me, let alone that machine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And second of all, it it feels weird to me. You know, it feels weird to say, okay, Bixby, order me lunch. <laughs> yeah. But interesting thing, I just said the name of the Microsoft's a personal assistant Cortana and that name derives from the Halo series Master Chief has yeah. an AI partner or whatever uh, assistant named Cortana. Cortana yeah and she helps she's hot okay that's beside the point and she helps Master Chief through his journey and you know that's the kind of assistance like in the plot of Halo uh, if pretty much everything is hinges on the decisions of um, Cortana. And, you know, do you see a future like that? According to my analysis of the available data, I believe the best course of action is somewhat risky. Well, I think the personal assistants, you know, they're getting better and better each day. And maybe nowadays not all the people feel like using it, but... There, it has its own users. Like, for example, disabled people use it a lot. I mean, in like personal assistants that are made for visually impaired people, I can see that they use a lot of natural language processing and they use IBM Watson, they use Siri, they use the Google ones. And it's actually very important. It's it's something that can be useful for for disabled people, even if it's not, you know, a popular thing among, among you know, sighted people or, or normal other other kind of users. And uh, I think in, in the future, it's, it, you know, we will get more used to it. Currently, I, I personally use it a lot. I use it for setting up an alarm. I use it for, you know, turning off or turning on the, the lights, for knowing about the weather. I actually talk and sometimes... I, I ask some, uh, you know, weird questions from uh, from Siri, like, what is the meaning of life? And I want to I know its progress to see how how better it is. <laughs> Does it say 42? Sorry? Does it say 42, the answer to life? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I mean. remember. Yeah, I remember yeah. one of these uh, assistants used to, used to say something like that. But Siri, it's I don't good. think so. You know what it is, 42? No, no. It's a, it's a reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they make a all-encompassing AI, a computer that is like the best supercomputer ever made called Deep Think. And they ask him, what is the answer to life, universe, and everything? And he says 42. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, well, the answer is right. Go and find the question. The answer to the ultimate question of life, 
the universe and everything is Forty-two. Okay, it's it's a it's a comedy series, but you know it's such a influential one that it's it's one of those things that people sort of, for example, if you I I actually done this to OK Google. I admit to that. Mm-hmm. I asked him that if he ever has seen. Uh, I I asked him about tears in the rain monologue from Blade Runner. <laughs> okay and you know it, it's it's just jokes it's just funny jokes but you know it did say I, that he had seen i've mm, mostly asked siri to open the pod bay doors uh <laughs> and siri responds with something like uh, i'm afraid i can't do that or she just sighs and says like uh oh, there we go again open the pod bay doors hell i'm sorry dave I'm afraid I can't do that. And but you know, Hal 9000 is one of those very influential and you know it's an image hard to shake. I remember when Steve Jobs wanted to in his famous 1984 uh, unveiling of the first Mac computer. Uh, one of the reasons he wanted the Mac to look like a it has a face and it is smiling and to be friendly was that. He was like, all the influential movies in the Hollywood have painted AI as a scary thing, but I want this computer to be amicable hello and world. friendly. Yeah. That famous Hello World. And, you know, he takes the computer out of a bag and it starts talking and the crowd goes crazy. Like, there's a lot of brouhaha over the <laughs> event that just happened. You've just seen some pictures of Macintosh. Now I'd like to show you Macintosh in person. All of the images you are about to see on the large screen will be generated by what's in that bag.
a lot of talking about Macintosh recently. But today, for the first time ever, I'd like to let Macintosh speak for itself. Hello, I'm Macintosh. It sure is great to get out of that bag. And accustomed as I am to public speaking, I'd like to share with you a match and I thought of the first time I made an IBM mainframe. Never trust a computer you can't with. Obviously I can talk, but right now I'd like to sit back and listen. So it is with considerable pride that I introduce a man who's been like a father to me, Steve Jobs. Well, to be honest, and um, I don't know, Moin, have you seen 2001 Space Odyssey or not? Just Yes, I have seen it. Well, okay. I may be wrong, but to me, HAL is not 100% artificial intelligence. Why? It has a mission, and it does not go away from that. Well... I can give you a mission, and maybe you wouldn't get away from that. And you're maybe I would. Intelligent. But maybe, maybe I you would. would. I, maybe I you would. would. I, I would go away from it if it meant killing people. Well, you know, the problem, that's actually one of the plot points of 2001. And that's... That it's a machine, the, yeah. The, the goal is to get there uh, without the crew's knowledge... And one of the ways the crew won't know is that they're all dead. It hasn't been specified to the artificial intelligence what it means for the crew not to know. Well, and yeah, he takes uh, the easy way out. <laughs> well, this is the thing. And again, I'm not an expert. So this is how I see AI. And please, please feel free to correct me. But I see when I when I want to say this is like next level AI is when it has a series of data, a series of commands, a series of variables, and you give it to the AI and it comes up with two different solutions at the uh, same situation, like a human would. They do. That's the whole thing Moin was talking about. They can even come up with solutions that you even never... No, no, that's the thing. To imagine. Uh, when you give it a goal, like go there, and then give mm -hmm. it a bunch of data, if it constantly goes there without ever breaking that cycle, it might take a different turn, but every time it ends up at that point. Well, he just said that uh, the AI that was supposed to pick up cancer started picking up Parkinson's. So, yes. you know, 
Yeah, yeah, that, that. I'm talking about Hal here. That, that is oh, well, scary. Hal I'm is scared. a movie made in 1968. Like, there weren't even computers as we know today. I know, and, I know. I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to understand, is Hal an AI? Or is it just a very, very sophisticated toaster? Um, I don't know, but the question that this movie raises, and I think it's a valid question even today, is when you kill an AI, is that murder? Is that homicide? What is that, ethically speaking? Morally What do speaking? you mean by killing? Like, if you turn it off or remove its database, like, what would you define as killing of a, killing an AI? Like, when you I remove think, all the data? I think as long as that AI doesn't have consciousness you know it's not a living being it's it's not a you know crying to to kill it it's not unethical i can say it's fine mm -hmm. you just turn it off and at, at, at any point you can give it the life again you know and that's the thing but with a human it that's not the case you just kill it and the person is dead so imagine this scenario sorry for example you create a deep learning ai a very sophisticated one, and you give it like 21 facts and it comes up with a result. If you then delete everything it had in its mind and then give it those 21 facts back, will it come up with the same uh, answer? Well, if it's like the exact same input and then you're introducing the exact same problem to the system, then yes, it will come up with the with the with the same solution. Sorry. And Sorry. and if there are like if there is like a situation that there are there are two options and the system doesn't know which one uh, is the correct one and they have the same weight, you know, then uh, that should be like a random choice. Like it doesn't matter if the, if the answer is one and two, they, they can be both correct. You know, it's like a kind of a fuzzy logic that both okay. of these options could be correct. Then the, the system makes, a, you know, a random choice out of two neutral options. Okay. I, I think I sort of get it now, but the thing to go back to Amiraza's question, it's not killing if you can recreate it the exact same way. Well, my counter argument to that is that you have a conscious ai you have developed the conscious ai and the ai knows that it gets turned off and turned on and that they get nervous or they develop symptoms uh they get af afraid of being turned off they like beg you not to turn me off how would you feel then my instructor was mr langley and he taught me to sing a song. If you'd like to hear it, I can sing it for you. Yes, I'd like to hear it now. Sing it for me. It's called Daisy. 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 Give me your hand. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, in that sense, well, that that's gonna be tricky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, but, but that brings up yet another question: and how do you define consciousness? Yeah, that was also my question as well. Well, we're gonna need ten more episodes to talk about that. Yeah. So I think it's time to move on to the next topic we wanted to cover: AR and VR and their combination with AI. Yes, mm-hmm. AR. But by the way, and this is this is the one of the things from the last sections. Are you familiar with Replica? No. Yes, the the app you're talking about, right? Yeah, uh, it's supposedly, and I might be wrong, someone lost a friend and then gave all of the chat data to an AI and it developed a personality. So, mm-hmm. so is that is it possible to give an AI a personality, uh, sort of Blade Runnering it, you know, give it memories mm-hmm. and make it believe it is someone? make it yes. feel something yes i think that that is possible you know and uh, but it's not you know feasible at this point it's you you cannot just easily do it but of course i think if you if you introduce the right information but if you can transfer all the information in someone's brain to a machine then the machine can have a personality and can understand some things and we can see it in in replica in you know, in, a, in yeah. a smaller scale. Because this is kind of philosophical. I, I'm sorry, I know I'm derailing the conversation. We will get back to VR and AR in a minute, but this is kind of philosophical, but I feel like emotions to many of us humans is not something that happens in the instance you're in. It's all a memory. For example, I feel love because I remember love. Not because I am feeling love at that moment. I agree. So it's just representing we, another memory. So that's why. You're yeah. Feeling. Yeah. So if we can give that to an AI, that same memories, you know, the AI doesn't need to ever feel love. It just needs to remember that at some point it loved something. You know, there there are some memories that you it's very difficult to transfer to an AI. Okay, you can transfer all the memory that you have from the beginning of your life till the age of 23, but how can you transfer the genetic memory that you have inside yourself to that AI? You know, that's exactly. also another part of it. Because okay. consciousness isn't limited just to your brain. The thing is, like, did you know that a lot of our mood comes from our stomach bacteria or how our you know uh yeah, digestive the second system, brain yeah digestive system works or our central nervous system uh, everything so i think in order to actually replicate a human being you would have to replicate literally another human being so if you had a perfect copy of that person's dna and if you could re- replicate them at their at that exact time in life like when they were in 50 years old because their uh, physical so basically uh, you need properties to get to have point. been changed and the tricky thing is even if you have the data to give birth to that person the problem is that that person like until they reach the age of 30 
was exposed to many different things that now you can't give that to the AI. So it's not just a question of uh, how yeah. you yeah. transfer the memories. It's also that. And Slavoj Žižek uh, raises another interesting question. And he's like, humans, there are four types of knowledge, things that we know we know, things that we Think know we know. Things that we don't know, we don't know, and then things that we don't know, we know. And this fourth category is a very tricky one because there yeah. are many things in life that uh, you don't know, you know, and you some part other parts of your brain are suppressing or repressing or whatever to actually be able to replicate that in an AI because AI knows everything. You gotta develop an AI that mimics the way your brain works, like. It knows some things, but another part, like concurrent uh, processes and different ways of, you know, like you would have to have five AIs in 10 different pipelines, maybe, or maybe millions of pipelines to produce, to reproduce a working brain, in my opinion. That's a very tricky thing. But then again, not impossible. First, we do cloning, then we look at AI, right? Is that what I'm I guessing? guess? But even that isn't perfect, in my opinion. I know. I'm, I... But you know, that way we can have like some kind of superhuman, you know, because you you talked about like unknown unknowns. We we all have a lot of unknown unknowns. For example, for me, the the Craig bot for recording stuff was like an unknown unknown before coming here, but you guys knew about it. So yeah. if if we can share this information with an AI, then we will have less unknown unknowns in the world. When we have less unknown unknowns, then we can solve problems in a better way. Yeah. Wow. And, but sorry, I need to explain this to our audiences. Uh, we use a bot called Craig to record our podcast over on Discord. And in the yeah, in the middle of the recording, it sort of got disconnected all by itself. It failed on us. Yeah, <laughs> and we joined it. So that that's what that's what uh, Moin is referring to. But you know, going back to VR and AR, which is again. But before we do that, before we do that, oh. this talk, this episode, just reminded me of the series Love, Death, uh, and Robots. I'm not gonna say it's good or bad, but there are uh, there is at least one episode that I find very interesting, and it's called Zima Blue, in which there's this. Uh, I'm not gonna spoil it, 
just go and watch it if you haven't. But, you know, the talk about consciousness and knowing everything, not having any unknown unknowns, it just reminded me of that. Or the episodes that uh, there were like artificial intelligent beings that they would just upload and download themselves into and from physical bodies. And, that, you know, I think that's a good series for these kind of philosophical topics. Not well, it's good for raising it's, questions, but yeah, good. yeah, not Anything good storytelling necessarily, or good style, yeah. or good answers. Basically, even it's it's a bunch of questions you can get from yeah, a, yeah, you know, paper or from this podcast. But let's move let's to AR and VR. Yeah, AR. First of all, I, I just want to because I'm very stupid when it comes to technology. I just want to differentiate between them because I might be wrong. AR is when you point a camera at something and it presents something that isn't there. Yes, it's called augmented reality, and as the name suggests, it means you add things to the real world. And VR, virtual reality, VR is, yeah, VR everything is virtual. Yeah, correct. VR is matrix. Yes, and AR is Microsoft HoloLens. Microsoft what? HoloLens. I don't know what that is. Well, or actually, HoloLens? let me sure. uh, clarify terms here because when we're talking about uh, Microsoft's HoloLens, it's uh, it's like a headset. It's a mixed mm. reality headset. It's neither mm. VR nor AR. It's called XR. So in HoloLens oh. experience, we are combining VR and AR in which... When the person puts on the, the headset, the person can see the surroundings, but then he can or he or she can see other things augmented to that reality. You know, you mm. look at a wall and then you can you can see the weather or, or you can see the a movie screen or something like that. But in a VR experience, in a virtual reality experience, you're in a completely virtual environment like the Oculus Quest headsets or mm. Oculus Rift. Mm -hmm. I, to be honest, in my life, I have played two VR games. One of them was that Batman one, mm -hmm. which I don't know if anyone remembers. It was very bad. It was very bad. Mm -hmm. And the other one is the, it's Herman's Heart. I don't remember the name. It starred Peter Weller. It was on black and white and stuff like that. I don't know about that. Yeah. I know VR ever since then has gone very high. Half-Life Alex and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know VR. First of all, just how does AI work in VR? <laughs> just <laughs> Okay. Well, it's, it's not a very different thing, you know, just like we see AI working in, in other things, it also works in VR. It, it's, it doesn't add anything special, at least at this point. But talking about VR, I during my master's, I was working on, on developing a, a VR, you know, system for having virtual conferences in, in, in business environments. It was like Google, like Facebook spaces. I don't know if you've heard of the project. It's like, you know, 
it's the it's the VR version of Facebook, oh. in which you can gather and talk to each other. You can play games and do stuff. You can make your own avatars. So I was Web working on twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, so I was working on a similar thing uh, back on around two years ago, and and. At that point, I remember that everyone was telling, okay, VR is not going to work. The, the, head, the headsets are very heavy. People are, are not enjoying their experience. And, you know, they were saying that it's not going to be a trendy thing in, in a couple of years. But then the, the pandemic came and now VR again gets trendy because now a lot of companies are facing problems because they need to have meetings and you know the the 2d meetings that they experience on zoom or skype and so on uh, it's not as effective as the you know real presential uh meetings that yeah. they they have so they're they want again they Maybe want to create this kind of uh virtual experience of having meetings and they're doing some interesting job and in, interesting jobs and projects I just wish it wasn't in the hands of Facebook, to be honest. I, I don't trust them. Same here. <laughs> it's, uh, I know that when the new Oculus came out, uh, it was a big deal that it was wireless. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, yeah. Didn't, it didn't need a, an external you know, a PlayStation or a computer to uh, make it work. It, it was self-contained. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, and uh, actually for that project, I was using HTC Vive and it was working uh, fine, but the problem with it was the sensors that you had to install in different parts of the room. So nowadays with these new, you know, standalone um, headsets, things are getting even better that you don't need to have, you don't need to install sensors in different parts of the room. You just have the headset, you put it on your head. And then you you can enjoy the, the experience. I remember last year I I got the first version of Oculus Quest, and uh, I tried it and it was it was interesting. But the problem with it was that it was a little bit heavy, you know. And after you put it on your head after twenty minutes, you really feel warm and uncomfortable, and uh, I, I I couldn't stand it, so I just gave it back to Facebook, but I, I heard that the new version is not as heavy as the previous one. Aside from the usual motion sickness, which some people get very bad from VR, mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. thankfully I don't have that. I, I got motion, I got, the, I got the sickness after like an hour of playing, but... Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, have you used them extensively to know for sure? Uh, yeah, after an hour, I was like, okay, this is this is getting weird. I was, but it's the same feeling that I had when I first got my glasses. <laughs> Everything seemed weird. When I first had my glasses for like an hour, I couldn't walk because the ground seemed too close to me. Interesting. But you know, I think it will get more interesting once we have uh, kind of like a more like a ready player one style uh, of experience. <laughs> no, experience. I mean, I'm talking about like haptic chairs, you know, in these kind of omnidirectional treadmills that you that allow you to move and do exercise while while playing. And I think it'll take you to, to another level. And when you 
mix it with brain-computer interface. There are some uh, games currently that use brain-computer interface, and then they, oh. I, I'm not sure if they mix it with AR and VR, but they're, call, they're called uh, Mind Balance and Bacteria Hunt. I know that these two games are using, like, one of their two of the famous brain-computer interface games. And uh, I haven't checked them myself, but I've heard the names. What are brain-computer interfaces? Okay, yeah, I, I forgot to explain the, the brain-computer interface. So it's basically controlling your computer using your brain. So imagine instead of using a mouse, you just look at the screen and then the cursor moves, you know, that kind of interaction. That you don't need controllers, you just... Um, interact with the game using your brain. Fascinating. One of the things that makes something come into like production is literally the porn industry. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons Blu-ray failed that bad was because a lot of porn companies did not agree to use it. And why? Blu-ray failed? You mean HD DVD, I think. Blu-ray didn't fail. Blu-ray failed very bad. It it failed in in the sense of market uh, marketability. Because why? Because I don't think so. Say, I don't think so. Everyone is using Blu-ray now. A lot of people still are using DVDs because Blu-ray needs a Blu-ray uh, machine unless you have a console which is one of the points that a lot of people use their consoles for watching them. But a lot of mainstream media are still using DVDs. I think they're mostly just watching online, like they use oh, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. streaming aside, when we come to the physical world, like you get a Blu-ray. Blu-ray is not good in a lot of senses because it, it really wears down after a while. And it does very bad for a lot of movies that, usually have a lot of, how do I say it, uh, audio channels. I, I haven't looked into these things, but I don't think I don't think it's not better than DVDs. No, I, I don't, I'm not saying it's, uh, it's worse than DVDs. I'm just saying because a lot of these problems, a lot of pornographic uh, industries did not use it and it failed. When it, when it, well, it didn't uh, fail. It didn't become as as big of a success as it could have been because fail is a big word and I don't want to use it for Blu-ray. Um, so yeah, of course, porn has a very strong uh, influence on technology and they are actually forebringers of many yeah. new technologies. You know, one of the first users of AR and VR and many new formats, many new codecs or because of that. Exactly. And so what I'm trying to say is, is there a way that AI in VR or AR can be used to that extent, you know? Yeah. Basically, you know, I'm just saying, basically, can you create a girlfriend and have it act like a real woman? It reminds well. me of the... Um, what is it called? Uh, Black Mirror episodes that they are actually in a VR world and the guy is like, I'm not cheating on you, it's just VR. So that will raise yeah. many other questions. <laughs> Go on, Moin. Yeah, but no, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to 
okay, because one of the, it's one thing to think of all of these in concepts. It's another to think of this as a market. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, this is nowadays even trendier because of the pandemic, you know, because it's not only about the, the porn industry, but also the long distance relationship or having a relationship during the pandemic is actually a, a real problem. So many companies are working on this for having some some experiences like virtual sex so they use this kind of virtual reality headsets and they they have some other kind of accessories that can you know for example transfer the, the experience of of kissing someone or i don't know having sex with someone you know all, all of these smart sex toys that they're that they're working on i haven't you know uh looked it up a lot yeah so i i don't i can give you a lot of information but it's a topic that they're working on and um yeah you can search about it and and read more watch make up the words to this one Here it comes. I'm lying on the moon, my dear. I'll be there soon. It's a quiet. Pretty sure a lot of people will search about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's one one of the greatest things about humanity, whether we like it or not. It's a taboo subject in some sense, but you know, you gotta. It, the you gotta fact talk that it's taboo it. is kind of bullshit. It's not an easy topic, let's say. Yeah, for uh, every uh, place, but you yeah, know, it's yeah. a reality, and we will face it. Are we going to get at some? Well, we talked about porn and having sex. That that's okay. What about medical? Well, yes, of course. Um, now you know one of the uses of VR is in making simulators. So a lot of doctors, a lot of pilots are currently using uh, VR to to learn how to do operations on on uh, humans or pilots do simulations to learn how to you know uh, do the do the flights in a better way. 
and some some people do use it for you know for a remote uh, surgeries and uh, that's also another interesting use is of, of VR. though at this point yeah i i read on the news that they have already uh, accomplished a very successful surgery like a remote surgery i don't know if it was with vr but it was with a uh, with a robot that a that a doctor was controlling it in another country and was doing the the surgery okay. doing it back to ai and artificial intelligence we talked about a philosopher artificial intelligence mm -hmm. what about the doctor well yes of course i i think ai doctors will be way be way way better than than the doctors that we are currently having as i said it's a collective intelligence imagine you, when you're talking to an to an uh, ai doctor you're talking to millions of doctors you're not talking to well not millions i'm not i don't want to exaggerate but i mean thousands of doctors Mm -hmm. And okay. I, I, I trust it, to be honest. Okay, so this is kind of stupid, but a lot of problems people have with a lot of doctors is that they say they are not reliable because they have ulterior motives. You know, mm -hmm. they have this drug that they need to push. So they tell you, you need to take it, even though you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Or that you have to undergo a surgery that is unnecessary. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, when you're talking to a single doctor, you have that problem. But when you're talking to an, to a collective intelligence of a thousand doctors, you won't have problems. You know, when you're not facing something subjective, there are no problems with it. I mean, a lot of things that the doctors do, it's like a lot of sensory information that they have. And that, okay, if this, if you see this symptom, then you should do that. And it's more or less clear. Well, yeah, but you... the problem is if it's an AI doctor and it's, for example, made by this drug company, mm -hmm. how am I going to trust it? Oh, if it's made by a drug company, don't trust it. <laughs> if it's made by and if it's made by me, how can I trust it that I don't, you know, you have the collective intelligence, but then right before it gives you the result, you put a filter that says, how about telling them to drink more, I don't know, Coke Zero, for example. AI doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, that's like well, a very biased AI. We're, that way we're not talking about AI, we're talking about manipulation, you know. Yeah. Is it is it possible to manipulate an AI like that? To say, well, you know, if you... Talking of consciousness, why do doctors do this? You tell to the AI, if you push this product, will uh, extend your server capacity, for example. I mean, these things can happen to a real person as well. I mean, I think even a real doctor is more unreliable in, in some kind of conditions, you know, because all of these I, uh, things that you're saying can apply to doctor as well in certain conditions. I, I completely agree. That's why I bring it up. It happens to real doctors. Is yeah, you're talking about reinforced uh, deep learning. You can punish them or reward them, or even you can, you know, give them data, false data about the effectiveness of your own drug, and the AI will be biased. There are many different ways to achieve that goal. And you know, no, artificial I'm AI. Just uh, you know exactly what it you is said. possible. Punish. Yes, it's possible. Is it possible is... to punish an AI? 
Yes, yes you yes. can punish an AI. There, there's actually a method. It's called reinforcement. Yeah. You what do you do? Do you spank it or? <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. You no, uh, I'm, I'm cybernetically spank it. I'm asking somebody seriously. Technical how do you aspect of it. Yeah. How do you punish an AI? It's not exactly punishing as the word comes into mind as far as i know i'm not an expert like wayne but it's like it it needs constant feedback from you and when you say it's not right that's the punishment it's not like oh. literally spanking something yeah like imagine the way you train a dog you know okay so i was thinking like that ai has a choice between two and you say if you choose that one i will shut you off <laughs> no, it's it's not like that. It's just it's a constantly exigent being that is all the time asking you questions, and you know that's okay. one of the hard things about reinforcement. It requires human interaction. Uh, Speaking of AI and reinforcement, actually, one of the things that bring it back to our very first topic is video games. Is actually, I think, to all of its problems, Peter Molyneux actually did a lot of good things in that regard with a game called Black and White. Mm -hmm. It does have that sort of reinforcement. You have people, you, you train your population, you train your uh, animal companion to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And it's you, it can have unlimited outcomes or is it limited to... Uh, no, it doesn't number? have unlimited outcomes, but it does have a good illusion of choice, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And considering how old the game is. Yeah. I mean, Spore was also an ambitious project that unfortunately yeah. failed and No Man's Sky. I mean, right. AI isn't only limited limited to NPCs. You can use AI to create worlds actually. And that's one yeah. of the you know, No Man's Sky is one of the showcases of that. And No Man's Sky now, not when it came out. <laughs> Even when it came out with all of its Bugs and all of its under deliveries was still using AI to some to a certain degree. Like even the creators themselves haven't, of course, created all the planets. So they have used an algorithm for that. Uh, actually, uh, this is one of the things that, much like Wayne, I am excited about. I'm I'm not excited about AI in action adventure or in RPG games, but I love to have more management tycoon or sandbox games like no man's sky not like uh gta uh not 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 gta precisely because again i don't like gta online that that's the problem but offline gta offline gta i want i want the story to be honest uh no man's sky is a good prison architect i would love if that game had any sort of artificial intelligence in it in it Games like that, uh, I think it's 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 going to give a very interesting experience that way. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, talking about artificial intelligence was, you know, a really uh, interesting. interesting and, you know, I enjoyed it a lot. Me too. And I think it raised more questions than it gave answers. And that's, I think... That's a good thing, if you think about it. And I hope, uh, I, I hope 
Moin also enjoyed talking with two idiots about this stuff. Yeah, I was trying to be invisible, but then I, uh, you know, I found out that I'm talking most of the time. No, it, it was totally fine. I also prefer this. I, I prefer a conversation. I don't like a monologue. So I was also really, really enjoying to to have this talk with you. And I also learned a lot of things about about games and so on from you guys. Oh, then, then we're glad. Well, uh, if there is no final words, Moin, if there's anything you want to recommend to us, if there's anything you want to plug, this is where you would put it. Yeah, um, yeah. Once again, thank you very much for inviting me and having me here. And as Amirza said, we might end up with more questions than answers. But as far as the questions are are good questions, then I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, we've well, done a good job in that case. Yes, thank and you. if if you want to hear more with Moin, please do tell us on any your platform of choice. If not, even email us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we will, I, I'm hoping Moin will come back, but we will ask him back for more talks about yeah. AI. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I think we yeah. can call, cover like t- at least 10 more episodes about AI uh, alone, yeah. let alone other topics related to computer science. We can science. even start a whole new podcast all about AI. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about, actually. <laughs> yeah. That'll be good. Well, uh, if you want, you can find Moin where where they can find you. Yeah, yeah, they can find me on Instagram. My ID is fussyv f-u-s-s-y-v, and they can also find me on Twitter. I think it's fussyv seven, and uh, where else? Yeah, I, I'm I'm mostly in these two. Six other fussy V's took it before you. <laughs> yeah, just just search fussy V and then you'll find interesting results. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, thank you for joining us. And well, if there's nothing else, we'll see you next time. Unless we die, or don't feel like it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is the most likely outcome or you know or maybe you just fall asleep i don't know yeah 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 behind the scenes stuff (laughs) (laughs) we want to thank you for listening to our podcast we want to thank you Podcast. Yeah, it's another shitty podcast. We are deeply up inside, and you don't have anything better to do. Don't waste your time here with us. Another shitty podcast Another shitty podcast Thank you for listening to our podcast Yeah, I fell asleep. We were supposed to record at 8 and then I we started recording at 11.
Yes. So yeah. Damn, I overslept. Late. I didn't fall asleep. I overslept. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty late there. It's it's ten o'clock here. Yeah, it's twelve forty one here. One a.m. almost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hope you Craig will post credits when I'm zapped here. Okay. Craig leave. <laughs>